This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours of music and good company on this Saturday morning. Before we start, it's been an awfully tough week in this country, with the murder of Ashling Murphy rocking the country to its core. We send our deepest sympathies to the family, friends, colleagues and pupils of this incredible young woman, senselessly taken in her prime and far before her time. Here at KCLR, we pledge our support to making things better in her memory and for women in this country. Moving on, 2022 is now well underway at this stage in a Christmas and New Year season that was disrupted for so many businesses, families and individuals once again by COVID-19 and the Omicron variant is fading into the proverbial rearview mirror. This is, of course, the first bottom line of 2022. And despite everything and all the challenges we all face as a country, as businesses and as individuals, we're looking to ahead to 2022 with positivity. We're excited at the thought of being able to bring you lots of fantastic stories for and about business and to have the chance to talk to lots of people doing exciting stuff and making a positive difference in the year ahead. This morning on The Bottom Line, we'll talk to a Kilkenny hotelier about the challenges his industry is facing and how he's looking forward to the year ahead with a degree of optimism. The newly elected president of our local network, Ireland Branch, will talk to us about this organisation for women in business in Kilkenny and Carlow and what she's hoping to achieve. And Kim Mackenzie Doyle will join us to talk about her big idea, a multi-award winning project that teaches critical thinking and creative problem solving aimed at inspiring the next generation to take on new challenges. Sounds like exactly the right idea at the right time for our often challenging world. And so to our first guest of 2022. Before we came on air, I spoke with Samantha McCochran, business editor of the Sunday Independent, to get her take on recent business stories and issues grabbing the headlines. I put it to her that once again, it's been quite a Christmas and New Year for everyone involved in business as well as society and individuals. Yeah, like the hospitality sector was really hard done by, I I think from their perspective, they were the eight o'clock closing was something that they just didn't want. And, um, you know, I think we're hearing a lot still from restaurants, particularly talking about the fact that if it was just stretched out to 10 o'clock, it would make business so much easier. They would get two sittings in. Um, and, and look, you know, unfortunately, it's become a feature of, of, of a couple of Christmases now. Hopefully it will be the last of it. But it does mean that, uh, you know, the bonanza for retail and hospitality that was counted on, for as long as we can all remember, it just isn't necessarily as stable in these COVID, COVID times. But there is a, a kind of a feeling of a bit more optimism, I think, that hopefully uh, the restrictions won't last quite as long. Um, last year, of course, when we locked down prior to Christmas, that continued up until May, May, June even. A uh, bit more optimism and a change in the guidelines. Yeah, so there, there was a welcome for the, the, the loosened up uh, COVID restrictions that were introduced in the last few days. So basically, uh, so many companies have been hit by staff shortages, and not just because people were sick. And as you know, tens and tens of thousands of people are sick and have tested positive. But the whole thing about close contact, having to self-isolate, that's all been changed. So, you know, the basically, uh, 
if you're if you're double boosted, vaccinated, you can now go to your workplace with a high level, high grade mask. So a lot of companies are very happy about that, and manufacturing and areas like that where there just were lots of people not able to work, and therefore just the ability to continue. Some businesses actually had to close because of it. So that's good news. And then the other thing is they're hoping um, the the uh, Neffet and the powers that be are hoping that we will see this peak kind of fair, possibly even already have peaked another week or so. And when it does peak, there seems to be a willingness to reopen business. And, you know, to be fair to the government, they did try and, 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 and having trying to look at business's point of view on this. So I think it won't drag on to the same extent. And I think the minute, you know, the spring comes as well, we'll be able to do more outdoors. And that does seem to make a big difference with this. So look, I think it's a case of, you know, batting down the hatches maybe when, you know, the winter's here and, and, and at the moment, once the spring and summer come, it looks like everything will look a little bit more optimistic for us. And the economy was remarkably resilient throughout. And I think over Christmas, um, bumper uh, figures released for for the government's uh, finances, at least. I think overall business has got through it reasonably well, though there are multiple hardship tales out there. Yeah, like I think um, there's been... Certainly some businesses have absolutely done fantastically well. And, you know, uh, the government, one of the reasons the government has done so well is like the multinationals have been, their tax receipts have been just um, piling up there very steadily. But I think another issue that's there, and I mean, there was some talk about this again this week about um, how many companies will face a problem when supports go. So there's, there's certainly a subset of companies there that have been depending on various government schemes, uh, PP for their staff, CRSS, all these different, uh, you know, schemes that have come through the last couple of years. So I think when, when they are, when the plug is pulled on those and also things like debt warehousing, so people have maybe not had to pay their revenue debt, they put that on hold. At some stage, all that's going to just fall aside and it'll be back to business as usual. And I think, you know, there's estimates that hundreds thousands potentially of companies may find that they just can't get over what's happened over the last couple of years so that's the negative side there are lots of companies so particularly tech side online companies online retail that's all done really well so like hopefully that that, that it'll be kind of back to business as normal in the coming months anyway and yeah, now we mentioned hospitality and dining out and traditional, you know, going to restaurants and so on, obviously uh, hugely um, impacted. But uh, takeaway and eating from home and dining out and getting stuff delivered has been huge growth. Tell us about Flipdish. Yeah, so Flipdish is an Irish company set up by Two Brothers 2015. It's a delivery app. So instead of Deliveroo or Just Eat, you have a restaurant can have its own app with its own branding, but behind it all, it's run by Flipdish. This week, uh, in the last few days, it got a deal of a from a Chinese company called Tencent, a an investment in total of a hundred million dollars, and the whole business now is valued at over uh, over a billion dollars, and it's all that type of big investment is in dollars rather than euros. So it's one point two five billion dollars that companies now value that which is a huge success story for an Irish company and there's a handful of so-called unicorns and they're the companies that have that magic number that billion dollar number and the stripe is not among them because even though it's the most one of the most valuable companies ever to come out of Ireland probably the most valuable company nearly in Silicon Valley at the moment with a 95 billion dollar valuation but it's not considered an Irish unicorn because it was originally started in the US but now there's about half there's five, I think, um, Irish unicorns, and, and that's kind of a, a bit of a sample of approval for what Ireland can produce from a wow. tech point of view. Yeah, yeah and, 
and it, 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 it sort of like puts us up there with some of the other kind of, um, you know, big cities, tech cities like London and Copenhagen and places like that. Who, you know, we were, we're actually measuring up pretty well now. So that's a big number for those guys, um, two brothers, as say, Connor and James McCarthy from Dublin. Wow. And what do you know about them, Samantha? They must be uh, off the scale in terms of their expectations uh, when they started their app. Yeah, I mean, I think they started it from a kind of... Uh, saw a bit of a gap in the market you know they, they, they both have had had um lots of other businesses i think one of the brothers had a, has a christmas jumper business so they kind of were entrepreneurs that always saw you know opportunities um this opportunity came because there's such a big uh fee charged by some of the bigger well-known food ordering apps i think they can take up to 30 percent of the cost of the meal you know so the restaurant doesn't get as much money when all the fees and everything for the delivery the drivers are included and these guys it's about a seven percent fee they charge so there is a big um you know gap there potential saving for the restaurant uh, company now i know some of the stock market analysts in london were saying look you know there's market leaders there Deliveroo, just eat uber they're the winners they're the big guys here however obviously um there's some very major investors who, th- who think there's room for disruption and change to that market and um and Flipdish is obviously, you know, obviously seen as one of those potential disruptors. And also, it does prove that there's a very strong view among investors that there will be long-term change from uh, what's happened in the last couple of years. Because, you know, there's a lot of questions now, like the office and working from home. How long will we be affected by what's happened with COVID? It looks like people think we'll be doing more restaurant ordering into the future. Mm, and and where's Flipdish at at the moment, uh, Samantha? Have they rolled out or are they even pre-launch? Um, oh yeah, no. I mean they're well they're well established, but like I think you wouldn't necessarily recognise that you were even using it. So it's got some fairly well-known restaurants, um, chains, uh, uh, base pizza is a big one that's you know got lots of outlets around the country, and uh, there's several other ones that they have on on board. But you don't necessarily know you're using it because. So they might be kind of white labeling it as such. Exactly that. Exactly that. So you, you know, the example say of a particular pizza company, you're just ordering off their app, and if you might notice, maybe the next time you might notice that it might say powered by Flipdish or something similar. So you know, if that's the beauty of it in theory for companies is that you basically put it onto your someone downloads on their phone and it puts up the logo of the pizza company or the Indian restaurant that you like, and and Flipdish is behind it all. And in theory, it gives a company nice branding as well, which you might feel you lose out on if you're on one of those bigger, uh, like, aggregator restaurant ordering apps like Deliveroo or something like that. Yeah, kind of like the Collison brothers in Stripe. People aren't very aware that they're using Stripe a lot of the time, except maybe for the small print on an app. Well, that's it. The best businesses sometimes are the ones that are quietly doing the work behind. Sometimes you only find out about a company when you've got a problem and you're saying, who is organising this particular thing I'm using on my phone? Then then, then you see who it is. But most of the time, if it's working seamlessly, you don't need to know. Yeah, absolutely. Exciting times. And watch this space with Flipdish. And you said another um, few Irish unicorns as well. Yeah, um, Let's Get Checked is one company. Um, it does uh, medical testing, so you can, like... Uh, do your home blood test, you send it off, it's all done efficiently. They're, they, they, they've got a fantastic growth growth story. They're expanding in the US and other places. And Work Human is another company. Um, it's uh, basically, in a technological world, helping people communicate internally. So it, it, it helps people give each other rewards and stuff online. So there's, they're, they're a couple of the, the ones. And, and I mean, some, some of them wouldn't be household names, but they are massive um 
massive success stories in, in our world, certainly from our, an Irish perspective in terms of their valuations. They're, they're really big numbers there. Yeah, well, away from the eye-watering numbers uh, in the kind of online and app uh, universe, back to bricks and mortar and literally bricks and mortar. Uh, a big report issued on Friday into the Irish housing market. What's that telling us, Samantha? Yeah, the Society of Chartered um, Surveyors Ireland, they... Uh, did research uh, among 189 estate agents just to get a sense of how they think the market's going. Last year, the house prices, uh, certainly up to October, were about 14% of an increase, absolutely huge inflation in the house market. So they're saying it'll calm down a bit next in, in, in the next year. They're suggesting 5% is going to be the kind of house prices um, that we'll, we'll see across the country. Um, and outside... Um, they so Dublin say four hundred thousand euro for a house at the moment. At the rest of the country, two hundred and seventy-five thousand euro for an average house. So even a five percent increase, you know, can be quite substantial money. Thousands and thousands and thousands of euros for a buyer. So it's still not great news. But they, uh, the message coming back is just that supply is just still the issue. Um, COVID has just knocked, you know, the whole market kind of off centre for lots of reasons. Obviously, you have the slowdown in building during the various lockdowns. That won't happen again. I'd imagine the government won't take that step again. Um, but also just some strange things, you know, not being able to view houses and people maybe not wanting to sell because they feel insecure or maybe mm. they've spent a lot of money doing up their house. A lot of people have done that over the lockdowns as well. So, um, so a very kind of... Uh, you know, a market that's not really functioning 100% by any stretch of the imagination and not necessarily any real solution coming down the tracks either. Yeah. And finally, you, you know, you mentioned projected uh, price rises in housing over the next year. That ties into the whole argument about inflation and interesting to see inflation in the US uh, kind of roaring ahead. And Philip Lane, he's more benign about it. He's, of course, the Irish man who's uh, the chief economist in the European Central Bank. Um, inflation hit 7% in the States and that's the biggest rise in 40 years. So it's starting to become quite a worry there and, you know, a threat to uh, Joe Biden if he is if he didn't need any more mm. uh, challenges. But in, the, in, the, in Europe, it's a problem as well. I think um, it's about 5% in the EU. Ireland is a little bit more than that at the moment. There is this whole discussion about is it temporary. A lot of it's because of issues with supply, you know, the fact that stuff couldn't get over to Europe during... Um, COVID and then uh, demand is soaring all of a sudden once lockdowns lift all, all of a sudden people want lots of products and it's just a very very uh, um, volatile market so that's been the, the you know that's been the blame has been put on put on kind of COVID related delays in the whole supply chain market but it's sort of prevailing it's sort of continuing and there's a whole discussion is it going to continue or is it just a short it's short-term issue. Philip Lane says it is a short-term issue. He thinks it's going to uh, going to be a bit of a blip, and by you know maybe the second half of, the, of this year we'll be over it. But there's others, there's other commentators who are concerned that it might be a longer-term issue. So it's not good news for consumers. Like if there was a salary survey in the last few days suggesting that um, salaries could be five to ten percent higher as a result of you know staff are going to be looking for more. Um, more money because they can't afford as much as they used to. So it's a whole cycle of um, inflation, which hasn't been around for decades. It's something that a lot of people won't even remember, being a worry for their parents, for example. But it does look like it's very much going to be a live issue for, for 2022. Well, we shall see. Thank you very much, Samantha McCochran, Business Editor for the Sunday Independent. Happy New Year, Samantha, and thanks for joining us on The Bottom Line. Thanks, John. KCLR. The heart of two counties.
The heart of two counties indeed. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. This, of course, the first bottom line of 2022. And as you will have heard me say many times during 2021 and indeed well before that as well, tourism and hospitality is one of the biggest business sectors in this area. And it's one that has been hugely disrupted by the pandemic with restrictions on opening and socialising, hitting at the very heart of its business model. With me on the line to talk about whether it's possible to be positive in the face of the current stage of the pandemic is John Ryan, owner of the Pembroke Hotel in Kilkenny, an establishment that is distinguished I think, by its commitment to quality, innovation and adapting to change. Now, good morning, John. John, good morning. Before we talk about 2022, tell us a bit about how uh, 2021 was for tourism and hospitality. The worst possible start, really, this time last year. Uh, Locked down for months and months. Yeah, when you think about what we're looking ahead for this year, we certainly hope we won't be closed for six months like we were last year. From Christmas until June, this seems extraordinary. Yeah, it's hard to believe, really, at this remove. Um, so last year we went through that kind of unreal time of being closed, uh, open then for the summer, which turned out to be pretty good, autumn turned out pretty good. So on balance, quite a bit of the year was good, very bad start, and you know it came to a, a very disappointing end. You know, mm. I suppose when you look at the end, you have to kind of take it on balance. So it was bad. There's no point in dressing it up. Yeah, but it's, it puts things in perspective, doesn't it, really? Because uh, you would think people, there are many people who are kind of ru- rushing to negative conclusions at this time of the year, but business is adaptable. The government um, did provide good supports. The government finances, amazingly, are in pretty good shape at the end of 2021 as well. So reasons to be cheerful. Yeah, I think the government pretty well reactive to business. We, we, we certainly were very disappointed um, with the current uh, restrictions that it took a little bit longer than it should have to get the wage subsidies restored to the levels that were necessary. But it was done, and, and, and it has been done. And, like, God, we'd love more support, but we have to be somewhat pragmatic. We are getting better support than other countries are. So, yeah, we, we, we've got to adapt and react. And as was looking ahead, we've got, you know, we're the hope in the industry now is that we get back to um, some sort of better type of business after a few weeks, whatever that is, and hopefully from March on. But we're still in the hope. But there's, there's reasons to be optimistic. Mm. And, you know, like January is never going to be a, a good month. Let's call it January is, is a weak month. Maybe early February is a weak month. So I wouldn't get too despondent about the bad months being bad. What's really important is that the good months are good. Mm. And that's probably where December was a real problem because we needed it to be good and it wasn't good. Must be strange in the hotel business with the 8 o'clock shutdown on dining and uh, socialising in in bars and so on uh, because normally people come if they're staying in a hotel will come back you know 11 or 12 at night Um, it it must be strange Well I suppose people some people are only maybe beginning to realise that the hotel residents can stay until half 11 uh, in, in the in the bar or restaurant, depending on, on what's on offer. So it is, operationally, that hasn't been too much of a problem, but obviously it does affect business because the locals have to leave at 8 o'clock. Mm. Um, and I think that's a deterrent for even some people coming to hotels because some ring up and say, well, do I have to leave the bar at 8 o'clock? And they're kind of pleasantly surprised 
that they don't have to. But for those who don't ring up, there's a lot, I'm sure, are assuming 8 o'clock is the restriction. Mm. It's a very dynamic situation and hard for many people to keep track. Prospect, I think, uh, I saw Taoiseach Micheál Martin on the Late Late Show last night. He's sounding, though cautious, relatively upbeat about potential relaxations. How are people in tourism hoping and actually feeling? I think we're, we're, we're all hoping, and I think you've articulated a lot of that with, with Samantha earlier on there. You know, there's a lot of good things have have been happening and there's a lot of hope and optimism and, and you know I think the great thing is that hospitality God while it's suffering so much more of the economy is going well and I feel much better about that I don't feel jealous I feel delighted that the rest of it is going well because there's better hope for us all mm. um, and in terms of where things are going with regard to COVID I certainly encouraged um, with regard to a couple of nursing home experiences recently where I doing some consultancy work in, in, in the nursing home area and, and, and one particular chain had a, a number of outbreaks but nobody died and nobody got seriously ill so it was really kind of testament to me that the booster had worked in that environment where there were elderly and vulnerable people mm. and then visiting another one in Drakelands where it's so well run and they were still able to accommodate visits you know even though restricted and with all the decorum and but like we're still functioning and senior people are able to get visits I think that's really important Yeah and it just shows the power of innovation and adaptability because like again giving ourselves a sense of perspective this time last year the vaccine rollout hadn't even started no, like, and, and you know, hopefully we will soon see vaccines with higher level of uh, efficiency or efficacy for uh, dealing with variants. So I think we're going to see more reactive. So I think what's important and we expect of the government now is actually a real plan for living with COVID, mm. you know, beyond the simplistic lockdown and, and getting to support us and support people emotionally and in our business needs, you know, Um yeah. What about the future of the office, John? Because as people will know, you also run the Pembroke uh, Business Centre at the rear of your hotel on Patrick Street. Kikani, quite a few businesses in there. Um, while, uh, you know, people have seen hospitality and so on been disrupted, the, the office environment has been t- completely turned on its head. People even questioning whether there's a future for offices. How do you see that? I think the uh, office relationship has changed. And, you know, in our business, service to office business, we, we certainly saw a lot of change there uh, last year with some people giving up on offices because they didn't need or see the need for rent because it just wasn't working for them. But, you know, for me in business, it's, it's about looking ahead and what's going to happen. And it's about being in the best place you can be for when that happens. And, you know, well, we've re- refined our offer, we've changed our offer, and um, we're lucky that we're, we're percentage-wise, we're nearly, you know, all bar one one office unit is left now, which is which is really good turnaround in the last few months. And we've seen a different change there. Like, we're now becoming um, a hub where a few businesses that operate on a national level have taken an office here to be their Kikenny hub. So there might be five or six people in a company that are, that's based in Dublin or Cork uh, or Wexford in, in one case where they actually have a, an office here which is a small enough office with maybe two desks but three or four maybe five people from that company use that as their day in the office so it's probably working in an office uh, close to home rather than 
travelling to Dublin or wherever. Mm. I think there's, there's a lot of that, and I think there's a lot of opportunity for the places like Kilkenny, Wexford, and the Carlos to actually really develop significant office hubs where people can uh, work in a in a really nice environment. And then I think the day to the office, you know, if one is at home mostly or at home and you go to the office, but then the day to the office has to offer you a lot. So you've got to get into the right environment when you get into the office. People need to want to go to the office. So I suppose in our own case here, yeah, you want to come here, I hope, because there's a nice coffee, there's a nice lunch in the Pembroke and also in the great businesses around us, like Zuni, like Coco, all of those, you know, mm. like Patrick Street. Yeah, if you're going to go to work for a day, somewhere like Patrick Street is the strength that we try to offer. Yeah, well, look, John, it's it's great uh, hearing your positivity uh, as this is the first bottom line of uh, 2022. So best of luck to you and everybody in the Pembroke Hotel and in the Pembroke Business Centre and indeed in all businesses across Kilkenny and Carlow. Thanks, John. Okay, we'll talk to you again. That's John Ryan, uh, who is the owner and operator of the uh, Pembroke Business uh, Centre and also the Pembroke Hotel in the heart of Kilkenny. And he's also the managing partner of the Fitzwilliam Partnership, uh, who are involved in a wide range of businesses in this area. Coming up, we're going to be talking about a big idea that's uh, making a lot of headway and getting a lot of people excited around the country. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Now we love big ideas on The Bottom Line. And big ideas along with the ability to make them happen are what changed the world for the better. Now the big idea is an idea that was launched out of Carlow in 2021 to develop develop deliver I should say a 16 week creative empowered program aimed at students and teachers and on launch it involved a rather impressive 500 students and this year already they have over 2000 students in 22 counties involved and there's a waiting list of wait for it uh, 10000 more in the region of looking forward to getting involved. Joining me on the line is Kim McKenzie-Doyle, the founder of The Big Idea. Kim, you've obviously struck a chord. Tell us, what exactly is The Big Idea? Thanks, John. Um, Yeah, so it's a creative empire programme where we instil creative skills into young people. So, obviously, we believe creativity is the answer to every problem the world faces right now and every business problem that's out there. Um, it's the number one skill we need in 2025, but yet we don't teach it in our schools. And then the way we actually um, teach students, um, it, it's, it has a negative impact on creative thinking. So we teach in silos or subjects, and that actually closes down our brain functions. So what we really want to have is that divergent thinking, um, which enables critical thinking, creative thinking to problem solve. It, it's connected learning, leaving room with discovery. So... Through the big idea, we we teach students how to tackle massive problems, but we break it down into really, really manageable chunks. And then we also bridge that gap between education and industry, which is so critical. And we interview industry leaders on um, amazing tools they use day-to-day in their practice. And then we simplify it and make it fun and approachable for students to use those tools on their own projects and um, then we celebrate their solutions at the end. So we have an incredible showcase where we, we showcase every student's work 
online in a virtual exhibition. Yeah, now you're a, you're a designer yourself, I understand. How did you make this yeah. leap to the big idea? Because it's not a traditional, uh, this sounds like education and design in many ways, people's way of thinking is just fancy graphics. No offence, but like it is so much more design, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that part of the, the big idea is to demystify it um, because it's, it's a inc- really, really powerful tool. It's a process that we can all use and tackle anything. Um, so I'm an industrial designer. I actually studied in Carlo, and um, I, I almost became a design therapist explaining to clients how the design process can be beneficial to your business or to a problem that they're facing or a massive challenge. So it, it's so universal that it can be applied to anything and the, the benefits are massive. And you see the, the top 10 companies in, in the world, they've embraced design, they've embraced creativity and, and countries that embrace it, they're just miles ahead of Ireland. So I had this massive frustration with how creativity was valued in Ireland and people weren't really getting it. They were kind of saying, oh, we have a bit of a problem. Okay, let's throw some money at it. But really when you embed this, these problem solving techniques and, and this process, you can really take on anything and it adds incredible value. So it, it, can you imagine if our government had, you know, creative thinking, actually joined up services and, uh, you know, departments actually thought about people's needs and wants and the impact on the world, we'd be living in a really different place. Yeah, because so, design, um, everything we experience is designed by someone, the, the computer mouse I've got in front of me, uh, and, and presumably, you know, Steve Jobs when he went along to people and said, I want a phone that'll fit in your pocket, that'll be a camera, uh, whatever, that was a design problem, and ultimately creative thinking is required. Absolutely, and, and if you start thinking about what people actually want, and what they actually need, it might be too some two actually different things and design can really connect it connects people to technology it connects people to products and it just makes everything much more seamless successful and and effective so it can it's transformative can you just quickly give us an idea of an example of how design would have helped to solve some of the kind of problems you're talking about absolutely um well even if you think about city planning uh i think you know you look to the nordic uh, countries and look how the cities are laid out for people getting to work for people day to day operating businesses operate more effectively it's just those even simple design decisions about how people connect with each other how they travel and it's it's thinking holistically about an experience um you you go to any website uh you, you you might have you need to get to where you want to go in two or three clicks and that's the best scenario so it's almost about reducing the clutter reducing the barriers design can really really do that and and people with design skills or creative skills it's just a process about understanding people and what they want to do and then design connects or or, or enables that kind of connection through the big idea we've um we talk to students about uh, stressors, things that are topics that are really worrying them. Um, and these are big, big issues like climate change, um, equality, and, you know, it goes on healthcare. Mm. But what we do is give this, the students the skills to tackle these issues. And it's, it's all it is is a process. It's not, 
you know, something, you know, throwing a bit of glitter at it or, or it's a real definitive process that students can use and that can be linked to anything. So it really helps them gain these new and vital skills and they can take those skills and move on into senior cycle, beyond into third level, but they've, they're armed with more confidence and people might, might think they're soft skills like collaboration, but it's all of these key skills we use in industry. Because mm, we have huge problems like climate change and all that stuff uh, impacts every bit of society and I think there can be uh, a case of people even businesses feeling overwhelmed you, can you offer us some confidence that you know there are processes there there are young people are actually uh, as well as you know raising awareness they're actually getting stuck into practical solutions through this program oh absolutely this is this is a skills based program and um, we were we were absolutely blown away last year 100% of the students learn new skills um, through the big idea, and that, that's a massive win for us. And it, it's their transversal skills. These skills are applicable to every type of sector that we have in the country, and, and that's even reflected in our mentors. So we obviously bridge, bridge that gap between industry and education, but we have mentors who support the students through the program, and they're from every sector. They're from um, construction, tech, energy, uh, the creative sector, we have um, incredible mentors locally, actually. Um, Eric Rainsby, who's based in Kenny, he's a creative director in Saatchi & Saatchi, the global creative agency, um, and Kelly, AK Graphics in Carlo, Keelan Delaney, obviously he's the MD in Delmec, and we have marketing, Colton's Emily Smith, based in, in Carlo, just to name a few. Mm. But all of these people who have problem-solving techniques or product development um, knowledge can now have this um, medium where they can directly affect young people and support them in gaining these skills which is just phenomenal which ha- hadn't really existed before at this scale yeah so and as i indicated there uh, you know you had a huge uptake last year uh, mm. for a start off it, it looks like it's kind of on a really upward and positive trajectory and a waiting list more people want to get involved you yeah. want to expand it and, and you, you're looking for people to get involved Absolutely, yeah. We, we've, um, we're delighted to have uh, 2,000 students on, or just over 2,000 students on our program this year, and we'll, we'll aim to have 400 mentors. So one way if people want to get in, involved to support our students is actually become a mentor, and that directly supports two students through the program. It's 200 euros, um, and that's end-to-end. All, and that also provides all the teaching and learning equipment for those students and teachers. They all get um, a swag bag, and it, we we give them all of their physical components because the program's actually designed for all the learning abilities and styles because I don't know about you John but I'm a physical processor so I have busy hands and we provide Lego packs for system thinking exercises which really help students break down a problem and um, you know right down to pencil and sketchbook because we want an equal footing for all students on the program we have 42% DESH schools on the program this year and we have a, a class of neurodiverse students who on the autistic spectrum so we really wanted to, to um, level the playing field so to speak yeah. so that all they have to do is bring their energy tell me um, if someone wants to get involved if they're inspired yeah. by your enthusiasm and the positivity that you're talking about this uh, big idea how do they get involved so jump onto the website and then there's a nice big button that says get involved <laughs> and you can sign up to be a mentor through our website 
um, and join an incredible bunch. Just check out our 2022 mentors. We've nearly 300 now. It's phenomenal. We're looking for another 100 to support our 2,000 students. Um, so we, you know, we're delighted to have a, a really good crop of local, amazing mentors to support them. Well, look, Kim, it's a pleasure talking to you and your enthusiasm is infectious and uh, we look forward to keeping up to date with the big idea during 2022. Thanks so much, Sean. And if I can, just give a shout-out to our partners, MSC Netwatch, Carlo Toomaking, IT Carlo, Delmac and Linesight. We wouldn't be here without you. Thanks so much. Yeah, well, look, it's great to have... Uh, it's all about local businesses supporting local uh, initiatives and also thinking global and acting local. Uh, so rock on and well done, Kim. Thanks so much, John. Really appreciate it. Thanks a million. Uh, that's Kim Mackenzie Doyle. Coming up, we're going to be talking about uh, Network Ireland. Yes, you're listening to the bottom line, the program for and about business. It's just almost exactly. It is now exactly ten minutes to ten o'clock. John Purcell with you until ten o'clock. And good news, our WhatsApp is back up and running. We had a bit of a glitch with it earlier on, but it's back online, so you can WhatsApp us on the KCLR whatsapp line and don't forget uh, if you want to contact the uh, station our new free phone number is 1-800-90-96-96 now uh, networking is a hugely important element of business it provides businesses with contacts and unlocks potential new business relationships now formal business networks are also an important source of support for people in business helping break the isolation which let's face it people can sometimes feel if they're running a business as an owner or a manager manager of whatever position they hold. It's always good for people to share experiences, get advice and companionship from like-minded people. Now, Network Ireland is a relatively new business network organisation. It's for women and it's got a very active branch in this area with Network Ireland Kilkenny Catering for Women in Business across both Kilkenny and Carlow. And I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Valerie O'Sullivan, the newly elected president of Network Ireland Kilkenny. Welcome to the programme, Valerie. And before we get to, down to talking about Network Ireland, tell us a bit about yourself and your own business background. Uh, good morning, John. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yes, well, uh, as you said, I've just been elected the president of Network Ireland, so I'm, I'm finding my feet in that new role. Um, but in my day-to-day life, um, I'm the marketing manager at Chuck Tom, which is a, a well-known mental health support charity based here in Kilkenny. Mm. Um, I'm sure lots of people know it. Um, and I'm, I'm fairly new in that role after a, a pivot, as they say, after COVID. Um, previously, I was working in tourism management in Kilkenny. So I've had a, a quite an eventful couple of years, I think, like lots of people have. Indeed. But um, it's coming out the right side of it now, hopefully, for, for, for people and businesses. Well, congratulations, Valerie. You're the first person, uh, the first pivoter we've had on uh, this year, <laughs> the first mention of that word, which is ever present. And of course, uh, people have had to pivot. But networking is crucial, pivoting or not, uh, to businesses. And Network Ireland, it's an organisation we've spoken to before and your predecessor, Linda Cadool, was on the programme a number of times. Um, Very important, but equally disrupted uh, because you often can't meet a person. Yeah, um, so I suppose Network Ireland uh, is a national organisation and we have about 1,500 members across 14 branches and it's actually coming up to its 40th year in existence. Um, So I suppose in Kilkenny the branch is only here since uh, 2017. So it's fairly new in Kilkenny, but as an organisation it's been going for supporting women for nearly 40 years now. But uh, definitely, I mean... 
you know, 20, March 2020, all of our events were moved online. Um, and the, the organisers and committee did a fantastic job of, of hosting those events and facilitating the relationships and networking of our members. But it is very challenging, I think, for everybody. After two years, we're kind of tired of seeing each other's faces in a Zoom room and, you know, the, the chit-chat and the networking, it, it's not as, as, as easy as or organic mm. when you're talking online. So I suppose one of my big goals for this year um, is to get back to in-face meetups as soon as it's safely possible to do so um, and to really build on the relationships and connections of our members within the branch um, so that they can, you know, get the most out of their their membership of Network Ireland. Yeah, tell us what kind of things and what kind of speakers uh, and what kind of issues do you generally um, spend your time looking at and talking about when you're not just doing the very important kind of interaction of just getting to know each other? Well, our members, we have 50 members here in Kilkenny, which is fantastic. It grew incredibly over the over the period of COVID, um, where I suppose people were, they probably had more time in one sense to to um, participate in things like this. Um, but our members cover uh, pretty much every sector. We have members in tech, pharma, finance, law, retail, hospitality, um, and a, a fairly even split between employees of businesses as well as business owners. So what we talk about is pretty much everything, every type of a, an issue that comes up for people, um, uh, you know, driving your business forward, building your business, and getting support for your business from, um, we get great support from AIB and uh, the local enterprise office. So, you know, being able to avail of funding, of grants, um, personal and professional development, and building, I suppose, building, it's all about building relationships, and there's a social element to it as well, as well of course, so when we can, it's nice to get out and meet up for a coffee or, you know, something like that. So, yeah. so we really do cover a wide variety of, of topics. Yeah, so um, we're running out of time, but it's, it's oh. important to stress you're open for new members. We surely are open for new members. Um, so if people go to our uh, web, national website, which is www.networkireland.ie, or they can contact me directly at Kilkenny networkireland.ie or check out our social pages um, we would love to have new members join us it's a fantastic group of women we're always supporting and empowering each other and you know if you have a question there's, there's somebody there that will help you answer it or find the answer mm. we have our first event uh, for January on the 27th of January with Noelle Roach from Connect and Change Coaching and she is going to be talking to us about setting our goals with vision and, and positivity for 2022 um, but yeah our social pages are kept up to date so if people check us out there Network Ireland Kilkenny or as I said contact me directly um, I'd be delighted to chat to people who are hoping to join for and you're open to members like across Carlow and Kilkenny because your bailiwick for want of a better word extends to Carlow as well well that's it there's no there's no um, network based in Carlow so we do have a lot of members and actually we have members even from from other from farther afield we have some that are based in Kildare um, and Waterford uh, because I mean I don't mean to brag but our network is probably one of the most active in, in across the, the national network but of course um, Valerie of, of course um, 
we've, we really do have a great um, a great group of women, and we are open to people from all industries all, and all levels. It's not it's not just for for senior managers or executive level. Yeah. It is for people at all levels, all ages. Um, come along and you know build some connections, get to know some new people, and learn something. Whether it's whether it's for your business that you want to develop, or it's just for yourself personally. Um, it's a fantastic network to be part of. Well, Valerie, thanks for joining us this morning and we look forward to talking to you throughout 2022. That's all we've got time for. Thanks, John. Thanks, Valerie. That's all we've got time for, unfortunately, this week on The Bottom Line. Remember, if you've any comments or ideas, email us on thebottomline at kclr96fm.com or you can listen back to this or any of our episodes of The Bottom Line. Just search for The Bottom Line on KCLR on the Apple Store, Google Play or Spotify or download the fantastic KCLR app. Thanks to all our guests this week, Samantha McCochran, John Ryan, Kim McKenzie Doyle and Valerie O'Sullivan. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produced the show and thanks most of all to you for listening. We'll be back with you next Saturday just after the 9 o'clock news. In the meantime, take care of yourself and remember to keep your guard up when it comes to living with the ever-present coronavirus. Stay tuned to KCLR, stay safe and keep the faith. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to Emil Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie